Look how the stars turn on Look how the stars turn on Welcome to episode 24 of the Press Box. I'm Craig Colgan, and once again, I'm joined by local journalist James Rogers. In this week's episode, we look back at a memorable night in the Netherlands last Thursday when Dundalk came within a minute of claiming a memorable victory over Vitesse. We look back at that game and also ahead to Thursday's second leg, and as well as discuss the implications of last Sunday's 4 1 defeat to St. Pat's and Vinnie Pert's comments after the game, even. Well, Jimmy, you were, you were over in Vitesse, so. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those memorable nights. It's, it's a what if, but it's a, it definitely is a, a memorable night in uh, an, an unpredicted memorable night uh, in Dundalk and League of Ireland history. Yeah, it was a really weird game. I mean, um, a great game, to be fair, I'd say if you're a neutral. But like, I mean, first half we were battered, basically. I know Patrick McElhenney did hit the crossbar and their keeper maybe spilled across, but I mean, by and large, it was one-way traffic, just looked a different class above us. Um, and you're coming off at half time and you're saying, how is it only 1-0 to them? Um, I think, like I said in my report afterwards, like literally by the end, you know, we could have had a, a headline of Annihilation in Arnhem and, you know, equally it could have been victory over Vitesse and it probably should have been in the end. Um, I thought... The subs really changed it. I was a bit worried, actually. Um, I think they got a bit lucky in that Daniel Kelly went off injured. I, I was shocked that it wasn't a change at halftime because we just weren't getting any grip on things, both in midfield and even down that that sort of, well, the Vitesse left-hand side. And Cameron Dummigan came in, and he was superb, to be fair, because Vitek, their, their, uh, well, their wing-back, um, I thought he was immense all evening, his crosses and just getting forward and stuff. It was costing, costing the duck all sorts of problems. And a combination of Dummigan and, and Joukowskis sort of put a halt to that. Um, also, Patrick Huben came in and, you know, people have questioned maybe his uh, his suitability for Europe. And I know a lot of fans maybe prefer the, the running of McMillan, but he was just what was needed because he held the ball up well. And... Uh, you know, kind of give them a different problem that they couldn't really deal with. Um, it was a really bizarre sort of system Vitesse played in us. You had like your centre halves bombing on, like literally bypassing the Dundalk midfield. Uh, Richard Lee Bazour in particular, um, not afraid to get forward, had two sort of long range strikes at the post of one of them. And it was almost like, kind of schoolyard football at times in many ways because I think maybe they they thought this was the cakewalk and it was only a matter of time before the second third goal sort of arrived and you know what could you say the both McElhenney goals just really really special I mean he's not I mean the first goal probably gets sort of uh, overlooked a little bit now because of the the second but like it was brilliant in itself like to, to he had no right to get up above uh, Hayek to the defender and to steer it into the top right hand corner was an absolutely brilliant header. Um, kind of reminded me of some like the Kilduff goal in um Alkmaar a few years ago because it was a similar end. That's where the Dundalk fans would have been if if they you know if they had been allowed travel and um getting up above someone taller than them that you know probably shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, great, great goal, and then the second one. Um, I was actually on LMFM commentary on the night with Adrian Taff and kind of uh, almost predicted it in that I was just saying like Bazour, he's, he's brilliant at coming forward, but um, he leaves massive gaps. And just I, I, the words were only out of my mouth when he lost it to Stanton and then a brilliant ball through by Huben. And what could you say about McElhenney's finish? The chip was, I mean, I don't think you'll see many better goals and we're only at the start of the European club competitions for this season and I think that'll be worthy of any highlight reel come the end um, unfortunately then uh, I, I thought Vitesse kind of ran out of ideas maybe ran out of legs a little bit and we sort of gifted them a way back into it um, 
you know, it was a really poor goal to to give away. Um, but would I have taken it to you all before before the game? Maybe would I have taken it at halftime? Certainly. Um, and it's probably not a bad thing to be coming away from, you know, a game against an Eredivisie side away from home. You know, probably disappointed with a with a draw. But look, they're still in the tie in the second in the second leg on Thursday, and that's the main thing. Um, but could it have been more? Yeah, maybe. But um, a heroic performance, you know, in particular. And like, look, I think a few weeks ago I questioned even Alessio Abibi, like, would he would he make them big saves when it mattered? And to be fair to him, he did on Thursday night and uh, him and others really stepped up when it mattered. Um, it was a brilliant display and probably unlucky not to get the, the win in the end that it probably just about deserved. Yeah, like, it, it's it's funny because, you know, the, the first half hammering, um, it kind of you know, was expected, I suppose we were away from home and stuff, but it's very funny that you kind of reference their formation as well, because it's, it's something that you would assume like, you know, we're, we're going to kind of move on and talk about kind of, do we have chances and stuff for uh, Thursday, but like, well, obviously we do, but I, I also think if we can capitalize that around the back and 60 minutes on again, uh, you know, they're. I know they're kind of. Start, I don't know if they've started or they're starting this weekend. But like they're they're in their full season now, but they're still a long way behind Dundalk and Terry fitness wise potentially. And I think kind of after sixty minutes or something was when um when Dundalk again, and we'll we'll have the home crowd there, a cello crowd, or what capacity can be anyway. And yeah, it, it, they're absolutely well. I say they're absolutely not somebody that we should fear. I think if if luck goes our way, which in some cases it did, and I completely agree about Abibi's performance. It was uh, outstanding, some top saves um, in the Vitesse game now. And, you know, you need a lot of that to go for you. And I know now, I know we got batter, but as you say, McElhenney did hit the bar. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Thursday, like I, I just chatted to a few lads even kind of before we were on and stuff. And I really, maybe I'm just more positive in general, but like, I don't expect us to go through, but like if we go through, I won't be shocked. I won't be sitting here thinking, oh my God, how did we do this? Like we've got went, um, I, I think Vinny said, it, and maybe you can uh, confirm or deny. I think he actually asked you directly. Uh, he said he doesn't think anybody bar Ajax in the last year has scored two goals there. You know, like that's, uh, you know, wow. Wow is all I'd say to that. You know, that is, that is high level stuff. And it shows the, the intent and the 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 threat direct threats we have and and again I know McAlenny kind of had the magic of the goal which was outstanding but his header is for me is miles better in in the context of you know the leap the the control like like and he also again you know all the stats he doesn't score a lot of headers like yeah, I think he scored in a cup final or like, but like it was outstanding and I just think everything kind of went for us and I think the the home advantage hopefully will play they've a they've a man out now uh what's his name the Odenda, uh, Openda. Openda, the appendix yeah went through stanton like you know so lady look could just go our way and, and 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 to be honest with you like thursday night i won't wouldn't make a prediction because god knows what i'd say but like I, I, if we're just thinking right everybody in dundalk's going over to belgium now in two weeks it wouldn't shock me in the slightest absolutely not I, i'd be confident of going in now on Thursday. Uh, look, they, they, they do still start favourites. Um, there's no doubt Appendis a loss for them. He was their top scorer last season and even um, caused, a, caused a, lot, a lot of trouble on Thursday night last as well. So he, he is a loss for them, there's no doubt. Um, they do start favourites, but I think, again, it'll probably be something similar. I think they'll come at us at the beginning Um you know, you're probably going to need some heroic defending. You're probably going to need a save at some point. And I think if you can stay in the tie, you know, to be still, you know, even if I'd I'd take a nil-nil by day hour mark, no problem, because I think they did visibly tire over there. They did sort of run out of ideas a little bit. Um, You know, even taking off Bazoor after the goal, I thought, you know, that, probably wouldn't go down well over there. Like, you know, uh, uh, there's a point actually you're thinking, you know, when the dock are 2-1 up, managers have lost jobs on the back of these results, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the Vitesse manager, obviously. Um, <laughs> and like, it's, it's, 
you know, it, it, it could go that way if, if, they, if they lost it, you know, potentially. Um, so, like I said, they are the hot favourites, but I think the longer the Hawks stay in it, like even if it went to extra time, I think their their fitness would sort of help them maybe to a certain extent, the fact they're at home. Um, you know, I, I did sort of reference it when I was talking about Fates last week and they do concede more away from home. That's just factual. Mm. Um, you know, they don't particularly score many more away from home either. So um, losing your top score is obviously a blow in that regard. So look, it's, I'm not saying it, as I said, Dundalk aren't the favourites, but it's not a, it, they're there. They have a chance. They have a chance. And that's probably all we could have hoped for at this stage. It's just a matter of can they raise it again the way they did it over there? Because I think, it'll, you know, like, like in all these games, I think you need everyone or certainly at least eight, nine, maybe even 10 players really on it. And uh, that's going to be the challenge again. But I mean, what what a prize in terms of like you know it's 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 realistically going to be under like now that you know they're yeah. very can't we well I think we always expected that anyway but they mm-hmm. had a comprehensive win in the first leg last week so I mean the chance to go and you know the Vinny v Vinny match with <laughs> Vinny paired Vinny company and like obviously Josh Cullen's over there and um you know Belgium's a nice trip too so it it it's it's a cracking tie um and. I mean, these are, with all due respect, and there's, there's lads in that dock dressing room with multiple, multiple league wins and under their belt, but it's, I think it's the European nights that you remember at the end of your career. And, like, you know, you only have to look at someone like a Chris Shields, who, you know, we spoke to fairly recently when he left the club. And uh, it wasn't really the, I mean, he did mention something like 2014 and that, but it wasn't really the league wins or the FEI Cup wins he was talking about. It was the nights against the Bates. It was, yeah. you know, them special moments that, you know, um, that everyone still talks about. And, and like, you know, very recently, I think everyone was sort of, you know, because of the five-year anniversary, we were talking about Bates again. And I think if Dundalk get true by any means on Thursday night, it'll be one of them um, yeah. again that, you know, it'll be a special, special result and, you know, financially very rewarding as well. So, I mean, fingers, fingers crossed we can do it, um, but it won't be easy. There's no doubt about it. It's a sellout in town, isn't it? Yeah. Um, mm. There was actually still tickets available up until like about an hour or so after the, the first leg, but obviously the performance then, I think obviously encouraged the, the final few fans to get their tickets bought. Uh, probably a bit disappointing, if I'm honest. I know it's a it's it's a trip up the road, and look, that's not ideal. Um, but I mean, for for a game in Europe um, against a fairly good side, you know, like they they are a good footballing side. Like even if you're not a Dundalk fan and you just live in Dublin, like that you can go on and buy a ticket. It's probably disappointing that we were so slow to sell 1500 tickets and I, I get that there's uh, a journey involved in that but when you see and I know they're a Dublin club but when you see Bo selling out 8000 in the Aviva and stuff it's just a bit disappointing but it's, it's um, I think it, like let's be fair that that performance last week gave everyone a boost it hasn't been an easy year maybe to be a Dundalk fan in terms of there's been a you know a lot of poor results there have been a lot of poor performances a lot of sort of negativity around the club but I think everyone got a real buzz of that and it kind of was a reminder of like why we love all these things like even it was so good to just actually from my point of view I, I was able to get over last week and it had been my first trip since the Celia game last year in Budapest which there was no fans at there was a handful went this time and um, it was just so good to actually you know get over there you know have the crack with a few away fans just you know be in a city in the day of a game and the the buzz from us and um fair play to some of the fans that attended by the way because some um you know uh, i think you know didn't get in initially and and you know had to go back and change into vitesse gear and you know managed to blag their way back in again and um i think actually the, the club did a did a piece in it tonight as well uh, with, with Brian Brian McGuinness and that. So uh, actually, used me me photo from the I got managed to get a picture of them after the uh, after the game. Like, but uh, it was a, it was a cracking wee story about like you know Daniel Shields, sixteen year old, like you know 
forking out 75 euro for the jersey to get into the game effectively and you know it was a dear ticket but like got a great memento then because it was signed then by some of the Dundalk players afterwards and there were others who got in as well you know and, and that were sort of plain clothed and um, great memories for them and it's a pity for the more cut and travel because uh, you know I have to say Arnhem was a brilliant little city and really nice people in it as well yeah, and I, I think it, just going back to the fans, I think I've seen kind of lots of tweets and stuff about the singing sections and different things. And I uh, listen, uh, another kind of point you referenced, just even about general performances, um, haven't been great this year. But I like, I will give some leeway to the players that I, I, I think when it's rocking, when the fans are involved, I think Oriel slash tallow let's say um can be a really really tough place for people to come and play against Dundalk because I definitely think the fans have a massive bearing on the results so I think it's it's only 1500 uh can get in but I think there is going to be singing sections I think there is going to be a big atmosphere there and uh as I said definitely hopefully kind of Vinny side uh take the points or the points take the round anyway but um they are I just checked there by the way if it has their three to ten on to to go through, which I, I didn't think they'd be as, as strong favourites, but uh, sure they, they, they are. But um, just I suppose in the middle of the the game, we also kind of played Pat. So there was a a major slip up, to be honest, in in our chase for Europe via the league. In like normally when these things happen, you know, during uh, when we're in the Europa League or something, you play a team like there's wholesale changes was it two or three changes so it, it wasn't that like four I think four, yeah, four sorry so um you know wasn't it we kind of changed the whole and just threw on the 19s or anything like that so um you know a, a, a poor result and 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 this, and then a kind of sad slash annoying thing is when i was looking at the the bb goal and you know it, it, that didn't the bb goal the bb penalty uh again with that actually like I could see both sides actually to why it would be given as a penalty and why not. But ultimately he let the ref make a decision stupidly, I thought. And the ref was just there to make a decision. And even there was another goal. Uh, was it one of Maddie Smith's? It kind of just dropped around and it, things were, I think there was a block first, but it was just floating around and stuff. And like, it was kind of just poor defending, but like on a whole, it probably wasn't a four, one game. Um, but it, still a defeat you know it's still a just a bad defeat and 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 i don't know maybe it won't affect and i hopefully hope to god it doesn't uh affect now on thursday but like a bit of a blip in the road anyway i, I thought that could have been especially with them coming to oriel not in great form just haven't been defeated by rovers like you know maybe that was an opportunity for us to build up the league but i think it's looking more and more likely that maybe the fai cup is going to be our route to europe yeah, look, it was definitely a missed opportunity. I wouldn't worry about it too much in relation to Thursday, to be honest with you, but it's definitely a... Look, you Bowes had lost the, the day before to, to Waterford and uh, Sligo had slipped up again against Finn Harp. So you're thinking this is a great opportunity to sort of, if you're going to get into that sort of top three or four, you needed to be winning. It, it was my sort of general fear around the you know, around the squad that it didn't have the resources of old that you could make sort of a lot of changes. Even some of the players you're bringing in haven't played a lot of game time recently. Um, I'm talking the likes of Sean Murray, Cameron Dummigan, you know, I, I equally appraised him there, but he, you know, he hasn't played a lot since maybe Vinnie Perth came back. Um, and then he's put in at centre half and, and I'm not saying he done a particularly bad job there or anything, but like he is not a centre half and that's, yeah you know, not ideal um, when you're playing against a team who I know they had their blip against Rovers, but they, you know, they are up the top end of the table as well. Um, I, I actually, look, hand, hands up, I missed the game. I was away uh, for the weekend, so I didn't get to it. But yeah, it was a sort of, I think 4-1 was maybe a harsh scoreline. But having looked at the penalty instant back, for me, I've no issue with it. I, I know people will say maybe Abibi got his fist to it first, but it's the same thing when you follow through in a tackle. Um, like he did land on the player's back. It was clumsy. And I think, you know, to put it in context, if, if that happened, if Marcus Schubert does that on 
someone on Thursday night were screaming for a penalty and were probably mm. outraged if it's not given. So, I mean, sometimes you just have to see it from the other side. Um, so, and I think to be fair, I don't, I think Vinny in his post-match comments did say he had no particular issue with it. It's uh, funny. I actually feel sorry for Patrick uh, Huben. Um, I was just looking at it there the other day and he had, you know, in, in all his years with Dundalk, he had only scored and lost four times in the league for the club. Uh, up until this season, and now he's scored and lost five times this season. So it's um, he's going through a sort of bad run of scoring and ended up on the losing side, which you know isn't the norm for him. Um, but I suppose the biggest thing, um, disappointment maybe was it sort of ends a proud record for Vinny as well. Like he he actually hadn't lost a league game as Dundalk as Dundalk head coach, you know, in Oriel uh, before. The weekend at Lone Town and the Leinster Senior Cup were the only team who'd sort of gotten a result there against them in in any competition. Um, so you're going back to sort of what August 2018. I think Rovers came to Oriel and won since he was last in Oriel Park in a league game, suffering a defeat. You know, which is a phenomenal record. That's outstanding. Um, yeah, that's outstanding. Yeah. So yeah. so it's just it's just a pity when things like that come to an end. Look at grand scheme of things. Would you prefer to one you know on Sunday versus Maybe this Thursday, I think you take this Thursday, but I mean, it it just does make it that little bit harder, um, you know, in terms of if you're going to get back into that sort of top four. I think um, you realistically are probably relying a lot on the cup now again. Um, I think particularly when, when, as I say, the teams above you had sort of slipped up, it was a probably a big opportunity missed. And, and again, the concern is like, no matter what happens on Thursday, win or lose, um, you have another trip to, you know, Derry at the weekend. We'd we talk about that maybe a little bit later, but um, that's not, a, again, an easy game shortly after, you know, after playing Vitesse, which is going to be a, you know, a testing game, no matter what the, the outcome. So it's, it's not ideal. Yeah, and I know he was uh he was in defiant mood after uh the Pats game anyway. I know he kinda of was chatting to Adrian about uh kind of maybe different uh different forces, whether it was all the, the hundred podcasts or the you know, different media organizations kind of maybe getting on, on top of them about different things. But uh I don't know. I know from our side I, I always kinda and I've been told this many a time from uh, people that come into the shop and kinda of listen to the podcast that like you give views, but you give fair views, you give different views. And to be honest with you, I, I know for me and I suppose, you know, chatting to you as well, there's absolutely no getting on Vinny's back about anything, to be honest with you. It's not nobody's making up anything. Nobody's to, and there's absolutely no pressure being put on Vinny by us or as far as I'm aware, anybody, do you know? So I I don't know. Uh, the comments to me anyway were just a bit peculiar now when I kind of heard the interview with Adrian anyway. Yeah, for look for me, he has been a bit peculiar since he came back. Um, I mean, I don't know whether it's deflection tactics or not. Like I'm thinking back to like last season and the whole sort of spat with John Sheridan, and you know it was a poor result for Dundalk that night. Granted, to come back to draw two all, but all of a sudden no one's talking about the fact that Dundalk could drop more points, and um, you know even after his comments on Sunday. Uh, no one's really talking about the four one. They're more talking about his reaction, mm. and I wonder is it is is there an element to that to it? But um, I mean, I don't know if he was taking particular aim at at, at me or not. But like, I mean, uh, some of the things he referenced. I mean, the Limerick thing. I mean, I didn't speak about that good, bad, or indifferent. So I mean, I I can't comment on that. I presume that's someone else. Um, you know, that the, there were definite issues regarding things such as meals in Dublin. Uh, and Vinny did go against the board uh, in, in terms of booking stuff before a game in Tallaght. That's, you know, that, that did happen. Uh, and it's not ideal, but it, like it was thankfully resolved. Uh, in, in, and in terms of them getting this to go ahead for the stays, you know, ahead of the likes of the Vad- Levadi game. And, that, you know, that, that did all happen. And, in my defense, I did actually subsequently reference that the you know the the issues regarding the likes of the meals did get resolved, and you know that was without anyone asking for a clarification. But at the time, I, you know, just because someone's an injury doubt and then plays doesn't make it change the fact that he was actually an injury doubt. So like there was, you know, 
definite question marks about that. Um, that, you know, again, I did reference that got resolved and I'm happy to got resolved because as we said time and time again, like the, the club deserve praise for when they're doing things right. Um, and for me, you know, having the players up before a game, you know, feeding players before a game, that's the right thing to do. Um, but was it ideal that there was issues? No, definitely not. But like, you know, as far as I know, they're staying up again before the, the test game this Thursday and, and that's to be welcome. It's the right way to prepare. Um, I suppose one of the other things he sort of hit out that was per, uh, that was perhaps in relation to me was the, the idea that he maybe regretted coming back. But like, you know, if he's looking for clarity, he, you know, he, he or, you know, in terms of what we say, you know, he also has realised that that wasn't said as a statement of fact, you know, as if he told me as much. It was said more as an opinion, which, look, he's entitled to disagree with it, but equally one which I'm entitled to, to, to voice. I mean, in football, it's, you know, frequently said the players don't look happy or whatever, and that doesn't necessarily mean they are unhappy. They might disagree with someone saying that, but, you know, I can only give my opinion, and at times, Vinnie Perth hasn't looked a, a happy man to me since returning. I mean, you go through the reasons for that, you know, I mean, he, I know he's defending the board and I realize why he's defending the board, but like, you know, there have been disputes with people behind the scenes. That's a fact. You know, there have been targets missed out on. That's a fact. There have been key players lost. That's a fact. He has lost staff and so far at least has no one assisting him in a permanent capacity. That's a fact. You know, he is, met another organization about an about a job while in his current role with Dundalk. That's a fact. You know, and then you go into things like there's disputes over the bonuses and stuff with players. You know, so it's as much as he wants to paint it as sort of um, it could be a siege mentality thing as well. And I know we discussed it possibly that it possibly is, but I mean what I'm saying is I'm, I'm entitled to say and, and anyone's entitled to say that someone doesn't look happy or someone doesn't and and there's just half a dozen reasons why someone might not be unhappy in the or be happy in the job at the moment, you know, and that's what I can into probably a hundred other minor things. So, um, as I say, when I, when I voiced that comment, it wasn't as if I was saying as a matter of fact that he regrets coming back. It was saying, you know, it's not ideal that, you know, what he has come back into is far from a perfect situation. And, and he, you know, so to try and paint it, everything as rosy as in the garden isn't really fooling anyone. Like, you know, I can only see what I say. And like he he has, in my eyes at least, looked drained at times and stressed. And I think his press appearances sort of reflect that. Um, like, I mean, after the Shamrock Rovers game, it, like he was only in the job a matter of weeks and he looked absolutely exhausted. And like that was around the whole time with the, you know, the talk of like, the players meals and all that going on and that obviously took a toll on him but then there's little things that like just baffle you like I mean he spoke to the press that night and one of the things he he said like and we hadn't seen the replays or anything at the time I was convinced in real time it was a penalty but the, the incident with Liam Scales and Michael Duffy and he, he, he labelled it a disgrace he, he had seen it back after the game and he said wait till you see it wait till you see it and then two or three days later he's on a Zoom call ahead of the Newtown game saying, you know, he's defending the referee in that game. So, I mean, you, you can't really have it both ways. I mean, like, he, claim, he claims not to read social media, read newspaper articles, listen to podcasts, uh, says he blocks out all the noise. But in pretty much every interview he's done to date, there's been some reference to those things. Like, and, you know, fair enough if he wants to, you know, correct something or whatever that's fine i've absolutely no issue with that but like it sometimes it's gone that route without it being sort of pressed by anyone now i'm, I'm not going to say the fans are depressed like get everything right we like we don't but on the whole like a new reference it there I, I think both the media and supporters have really got behind the team and the club since Vinny's returned like and Vinny himself, there, by the way. Yeah, and like there's been pretty much no criticism of the team in this time. Like uh, we were just speaking off air there, and up until the Pats game at the weekend, which I'm not going to, as I say, I did, I wasn't there, so I'm not going to overly analyze it because I wasn't there. It's hard to speak about. Um, but up until that game, the Rovers game was the only game he had lost, and even at that, as I say, for me, and no, no one will ever change my mind. We were denied a Stonewall penalty, a one 0 up we probably go 2-0 up in that game and we don't lose it. So 
you can't criticize him for that. That was poor refereeing on the night, in my opinion. And, you know, other than that, he is a pretty much perfect record. But okay, a couple of draws here and there that, you know, you, you would have liked to have beaten Longford in his opening, but no one was criticizing him. Um, you know, and and even as a club, when, like when you think of the environment just before he came in, you know, protests outside Oriel against uh, the likes of Peak Six. And I know they still have their critics, but it's very much dissipated into the background a lot. So it's not a hostile environment whatsoever. Um, you know, it's so like one thing, I, like he did say in his interview the other day, like, where's the worry coming from regarding the future of the club? You know, but like, whether he wants to admit it or not, or is even aware of it, that, like there were definite moves by Peak Six to move the club on prior to his return. Um, there's still the uncertainty over contracts. Um, now, I'm led to believe their stance might be changing a little, that they might be more open to a stay, uh, and that's fine. But like, given the fans some level of indication about their long term plans, would ease a lot of these concerns. Would ease. A that's lot coming from talk. Peak Six. That's not. Yeah, I, that's. So I have an element of, of sympathy here for Vinny because he's probably the the face. That well, in theory, maybe. But like he's also Jimmy the Dilton main contact. To... Yeah, but he's also the main contact in Ireland with Peak Six. I'm sure he's on a phone call daily with the likes of Bill Holzheiser. Like, if he wants to quieten the noise around the team, as he, he can calls create it, a narrative though for that, you know, yeah, in different ways. Get them to come out. Get to get them yeah. to come out and clarify. It doesn't have to be with me. It doesn't have to be with. Yeah, they can do it via their club website if they want. But like, I think it was seventeen episodes ago now. So, or like I pointed out long before Vinny was back on the scene. The complete strategy of Peak Six has changed based on what they told supporters on the arrival here. That goes from everything from player contracts to, uh, you know, their value for supporters and volunteers, you know. And look, as owners of the club, they're completely entitled to change direction and strategy, you know, whether we like it or not. But like also as supporters, we're also entitled to want to know what that strategy is and what it means for the club going forward. Um like he said at the weekend, there's more than Andy Boyle con- contracted, um, you know, and the club isn't in as bad a situation as it's made out to be. And, and that's fine. But, but but forgive me if if options on players aren't being celebrated by supporters, because, look, options are nice to have. But if peak six don't want to be here next year, which some people feel they're not. And again, it's probably only an opinion. Um, then they're not going to exercise any of those options, you know, so. Ultimately, I think a lot of this, a lot of this is at the club's door. Like, again, I'm not trying to brush under the carpet that media get things wrong or fans get things wrong or supporters get things wrong. But a statement from the owners in some capacity would ease a lot of the concerns. Um, and, and let more openness, do his job. Let but more openness job. with the press and supporters would also improve relations. Like, mm. I mean, he, uh, I was kind of laughing to myself. He spoke on the club uh, YouTube channel last week before the, before the first leg about looking to rebuild links with the community and he, how he felt that was happening. But yet he refused to speak to two members of local press who flew, flew over to Arnhem for the game last week, you know, who are a main link with the fans. Now, look, I'm one of them and I'm holding my hands up to that. But like, apart from anything else, I don't think he would have done that that long ago, but it's also a breach of Article 72.04 of the UEFA regulations. You know, so in these same regulations, by the way, is uh, Article 6.01b, and I know I'm giving figures there, but that's the regulation that led to a €50,000 fine for not having a, a, a coach, a suitably qualified coach last year. We got fined for that. We're probably under the microscope again, and he's refusing to meet obligations, which say that each club most must hold a pre-match press conference today of each game, and each press conference must be attended by the head coach of the team and at least one player. Now, up until about, we're recording this on Tuesday evening, up until about two hours ago, he was not going to do pre-match press conference before the game tomorrow. He was going to send players out like he did before the Vitesse game, but he wasn't going to attend himself. He's now actually done a U-turn on that, which is to be welcomed. But um, what I'm saying is I'm not personally going to complain about him or the club not doing press last week, but this could lead to fines. And this is why, um, you know, 
if he wants more openness and honesty from the press, it's these type of events where like I've been on European trips where you can, you've, I've had lunch with Vinnie Perth, I've had lunch with Stephen Kelly. I'm not asking him to sit down and break bread with me, but you can talk to him about stuff and even off the record where he mightn't want a bit of information shared. But like, I mean, contrast that with Vitesse last week. Um, we couldn't get team news for the game last week. We had no idea who was in or out. Uh, it wasn't released by the club. Um, and yet, you know, based on Vitesse's press conference, I, who don't follow the Vitesse normally, obviously, was able to accurately predict their entire starting 11 the day before. Because they, but they basically, don't have to give out the team, to be fair. No, and in, in no one's, yeah, and no, yeah, no one's asking him to share the starting 11 exactly. or the tactics or anything like that. But it's a valid question to say, for example, where is Ole Eric Mitzkogan? And when is he expected back? Because he hasn't been around the team since certainly the treaty game. And, you know, even stuff like up until this week in his post-match on Saturday, you know, no one kind of knew what even Vinnie Pert's deal was. And then when he says it, he nearly whispers it, which is fine. But like fans are entitled to know who the manager is and how long he's here for. Yeah. I, I don't I, think that's I, been unreasonable. And look, maybe all these things make me negative, but like, I think, I and so many others just want the best for the club. And the way it has been run for the last while hasn't been good enough. I mean, just look at the other clubs in Europe at this season. Like, do we match Rovers off the field? Do we match Bowes? Do we match Sligo? I would say absolutely not. Have we been a laughing stock at times because of how we've been run? Undoubtedly. So that's where most of the noise that Vinny talks about comes from. And the only ones that can really silence that are the people he is defending. Now, look, I'm not trying to get into like a, a row, a public spat with Vinnie Perth here because I do think he's doing an amazing job. And I, I kind of, and look, and we're going to play audio in a while. Like I did say it to him last Thursday after the game. For me, and I don't want to take away from what he'd done in 2019 because he was a penalty shooter away from a treble, which was a phenomenal achievement. Don't get me wrong. But, and this is in my opinion, but the one thing people will always detract from that is that he inherited a squad a settled squad, a team put together by Stephen Kenny, and the, the dog fans do it with Shamrock Rovers as well, but various things and, and other clubs too. The, the 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 slag or the put down on that achievement would be, well, sure, anyone could have done it. Now, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is if the dog given the situation Vinnie Perth inherited and all that was sort of going wrong only a few weeks ago, let's be fair, if we beat Vitesse and we're booking flights to Brussels next week or whatever, if that happens, it's by far and away a bigger achievement than anything he'd done before. Because, I, as I say, I don't take anything away from what he'd done in 2019. I don't believe the mantra that... Uh, you know, anyone could could have taken that team and won a league with them. Um, but it was a settled unit. It was, you know, continuity was the word. There was no real continuity. It was a broken team, really. I don't think we would have got past Lavadia, you know, before, based on how we were performing before Vinnie Perth came back. He's worked wonders. I think he deserves a contract, to be honest with you. I think he's earned it already, regardless of what happens on Thursday night. And imagine the boost. Imagine the boost if, for example, we wake up Thursday morning and there's a press release from the Doc FC saying Vinnie Pert signed a new deal, or a player, or multiple players. And they're the things that I think, and he was there for it. In the Stephen Kenny sort of time, there was those sort of very strategized sort of things that kind of gets everyone up for it. And you're talking about singing sections. You're talking about that and stuff at Tala Stadium. I tell you what, if there was an announcement like that on Thursday, it would have everyone singing down the road. Really, it would give everyone a lift. It would give hope for, you know, because there is concern about ne next season. And maybe he doesn't want us talking about that. And maybe the club don't want us talking about that. But we're only human as fans as well that we can say, you know, who's going to be here? Are we going to lose more players? Because, we, you know, players do come and go, but we've probably needlessly lost players as well. But he has he done a good job? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And do I think he deserves to be still here next year? Yes. But it's not the press's fault 
it's not podcast fault. It's not fans fault that that uncertainty is there. It's his employers. And as much as he wants to defend them, they're the only ones who can sort of try and fix it. Well, kind of based on that anyway, I know uh, Vinny defended the board anyway when he spoke to James after the draw on Arnhem last Thursday and actually brought up the subject of potentially trying to keep Patrick McElhenney at the club. Here's what he had to say. Flash in the pan. It's, it's only like, look, half time in the tie, but like, I noticed you put up players, I don't know if it was a conscious decision or not for media this week, that, you know, haven't had the easiest of times in the first half of the season. You've come back yourself uh, after everything went on. I'm not going to dwell on that, but like, for all you've achieved at the club, you know, as, in your time as head coach, where would this rank if you could get through? Because I think, with all due respect, in 2019 when you took over, you inherited a sort of more settled unit, but to take because it wasn't a low ebb when you took over if you could come in and record a result uh, I mean, where would that rank listen I, I don't know genuinely um, I wasn't conscious about in terms of who, who, who I put up um, I didn't see Daryl Leahy's stuff but I, I, I seen a bit of um, Alessio's today just happened to see it so um, I wasn't conscious of that in terms of th- th- those people I just think you've got to spread that media workout in ter- I, I just think it's with the group at the moment genuinely and it's a, people will say oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get extra satisfaction out of this because and I keep saying it and, and um, people forget that you know I was there in 16 in Bate I was there in Hadjik Split um, it was I was there in those great moments in Luxembourg and so on um, you know the first person I have I have the photograph in 16 when Robbie Benson scored the goal myself and Stephen Huggan that's one of the only bit of memorabilia I have very little of it so for me that's different I think that's for outside people to discuss for me I feel like I've been in here for you know whatever it is that 9, 8, 9 years whatever it is with, with a with a, a break for want of a better word in the middle of it so I don't genuinely genuinely don't see it that way we live in a world now where people will, will, will pick the cynical comment out at and maybe question where I'm coming from and that. but genuinely I don't see it like that and um, I just want this group to, to be the next two crates you know we're starting to see people coming through and you know what you, what you don't see on the outside is the likes of Dan Cleary becoming a leader Greg Slogger becoming a leader Patrick McElhenney's leadership qualities people think leadership is about the Terry Butcher style, it's not it's what Patrick has been doing around in the background rallying this club and this team together and we're starting to see the emergence of new people now so the challenge is for us now is to build on this and, and whatever happens next tour see is build on this momentum because um, there is there is some seriously good players in that dressing room well, What I meant by that is I suppose you were in an upward trajectory as a club at that time I'm not taking away your involvement in 16, no, etc. No, Whereas now, I, I take the point. I genuine, take the point. But you um, must be pleased I, I, how, how you lifted this group. Well, well, the best way, like as much as I inherited a team in 19, I was also done a, hard, a lot of the hard yards and watching players down in Cork always Sligo, the ones we, we ultimately signed along with Stephen. So we made a lot. So it's not that I look for credit for any any of those years. I just make the point that. It, it, that's where it feels different it feels like I've been part of this journey for a, such a long time um, it was great because no one knew who I was even in 16 I mean I told the story of the day after Bate Borisov I was in Central on Dame Street um, as part of the rebuild on their deli counter about 7 o'clock the following morning so um, it, so it, it, it was great it was great I was under the radar I was never someone to shout and roar or in, in the sense of I shouting for our officials of course because Stephen wouldn't do it but beyond that um, I was someone who stuck to the background but uh, long winded way I understand the question uh, and genuinely it's not about personal uh, sort of gain or proving myself any of that stuff I think I think I've had close to I don't know and again you'll know the answer this close to 50 European games so um, it's up for other people to make their opinion of what I can or can't do I just, I just look after as I said I think the group has been great in that sense yeah, there has been challenges though and I suppose one that could have been a challenge Patrick McElhenney after a previous European match is now since leaving and I know you say that's for outside people but the no. response since then and what he did tonight something special yeah but we, we, you know there's no doubt I, I I asked the board to back me with Patrick and they've done it you know and um, and the ownership have done it um, could have easily took a few quid um, that was on the table but they backed me I needed Patrick I needed him I think I think I owed it to Michael Duffy, Pahub and um, Roy Vizikofis to have what I consider one of the best players in the league in our group um, and I also know Patrick 
I've no doubt about him throwing his toys out of pram, any of that stuff. We had a discussion about it, and he completely agreed with me that if he was a manager, he'd try and keep Patrick McElhenney at the club. So I think the, the board and the club deserve huge credit for that. In fairness, um, you know, there's all this talk of, of, of different bits and pieces, and there is things we need to be critical of our club about, but one of them is certainly not uh, bound to the pressure of, of a few quid on the table, and they stood up and, and backed and it's played out tonight for them. Did they need to back you again now with your own situation and with certain players that look there's priority over, you know, in terms of who you yeah. tie down, etc.? Um, I know it's not maybe a question for tonight, but it is into y- August now. Y- yeah, I, I get that. Uh, to be honest with you, the, the, to be fair to the club, um, I've asked for a bit of breathing space, so it's not it's, it, the club are ready to uh, have some discussions. We've started them, uh, myself and Jim, Myself on the board, I've started uh, different discussions, obviously relating to myself. So they're they're ongoing, but um, I need I needed to see a certain amount of commitment from people in the club, and I, I think I've seen a certain amount of that. I want more. I want people to have higher standards in a football club. Um, but honestly, we're um, we're in no better, we're no worse position um, than a lot of clubs in the league. We're in a strong position. Um, we have got um, a lot of players out of contract, but there's also um, other ways of, of that we have of keeping players effectively. So it's not all doom and gloom as people would think. So um, I've lost out. And to be fair to the board, I've nearly signed maybe five players, and it's certainly not because of the lack of commitment from the club that them deals fell through. Uh, but it's a different, difficult window this one because you're effectively looking for people either on loan or out of the UK. Um, and I've been very, very close to improving the squad. So the board have backed me, genuinely. Um, they really have. Um, so uh, from that sense, I can't, I can't question them. So, look, as a club, I think the long, really long way of saying to you, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to um, develop together uh, a lot of key decisions to be made. But um, all I'm seeing at the moment, genuinely from the board, is support, support. So that's all I can I can honestly say that with my hand on heart. To go back to the positive, so just on the two goals, I know you did sort of reference him, but Patrick McLean, he's not renowned for his headers. I know he got one in a cup final. That was, I said to Adrian, uh, reminded me of Kilduff and his header in Alkmaar. No right winning it probably, got up very well. And the second goal, I mean... Yeah, the, the Alkmaar one flashed on my head after he scored it, to be honest with you, because if you look at that away section mm. there, it would have been great if we had a... I'd say we would have got a, quite a crowd in there in normal times. In front of that goal, um, listen. I, I've been on him to score more goals. I think that's the one flaw in his game: more goals, more goals, because he has that natural ability. The shot to hit the crossbar, I've encouraged him to do that more and more. So, um, it, I mean, I remember the, the cup final goal was an amazing header, but I actually think that sort of went in off a bit of his nose. I thought tonight was just a brilliant, brilliant header uh, that would grace any ground. And um, as I, as I keep saying just a special person special special person and uh, um, we won't give up hope of him uh, um, as long as I'm here I won't give up hope not being at the club next year Finally it's, it's not a win it's not over but how proud are you t- of your team tonight? No I am genuinely immensely proud proud of the performance um, you know maybe that last sort of two minutes that you know we didn't clear the ball correctly there was Dara called Sonny didn't hear him that's what happens at this level um, that's why Dara came inside he felt it was comfortable for him and that's what happens and they, they've took the chance well but am I proud? yes absolutely proud proud of the, the group I think we're a really really close knit group believe it or not um, and um, I just I, I think it would have been uh, again the historians will tell me but that would have been one of the great results um, because of who we've, because of who and where we've played um, but uh, no, immensely proud and proud of the league. I think what Balls did needs to be recognised from us as a club. But it was absolutely outstanding. And to be honest with you, it certainly inspired me what Keith Long and the staff done to Pauk the other night. Uh, I got you you with confidence out of that. I have to be honest with you. Came away from from watching that game going. Uh, that was sensational. So as I said, it's about the environment. If we create the right environment, I think our players are technically good enough to compete. Thanks, Vinny. Well done. So is there any chance of Patrick McElhenney staying? Because you actually spoke to McElhenney as well, actually. So in fairness, you, you do have some insight on this. And also, by the way, I have to ask, even when I heard all this stuff, and I'm a, you know, 
an idiot in theory when it comes to all this, but like, did he not sign a pre-contract agreement with Derry? Like, I, I don't know how that would even work, but uh, so what's kind of more insight on that? Um, so I suppose the basis of this, and it did sort of get a, a lot of traction at the weekend and I was going away and stuff. So it was, it was all sorts of a nightmare where my phone was pinging and I'm trying to get on a on, down the road and stuff uh, for a weekend. But um, yeah, so we did our post-match, myself and Adrian Taft both spoke to uh, to Vinny after the game. And um, as, as you've heard in that clip there, he did reference the fact that as long as he was here, at Dundalk FC, he wouldn't give up hope of keeping Patrick McElhenney. And, like, it's easy to see why. I mean, um, his performance in the Netherlands last week was absolutely majestic. His, like, I know his goals standing out, but for me, he was our best player even before them. Um, he frequently, for me, rises to the occasion um, when it comes to European football, like, I mean, you think back to the Rosenberg game, you think back to Bate, um, you know, I think he he goes up a level, consistently goes up a level. And I know he's had his injury problems, but I think I I was looking at it up coming back from, from Holland, I think, and including, you can obviously add in now the Pats game, I think that's 15 starts in a row between in the league and Europe. Um I think the only game he hasn't started in that run was the treaty game where he came off the bench and that's helped him get a bit of a flow together. So he's had a very difficult time, I suppose, since coming back from Oldham in that, you know, he came back through probably halfway through 2018, you know, he hadn't a preseason and stuff and like he still did contribute that year. Don't get me wrong, scored a winner in a cup final, but then opening night 2019, you know, has a, broken bone and the open nice kind of getting up the speed again towards the end of the season gets injured Sligo and missed the cup final and then it's basically been a you know two games on four games off ever since pretty much up until now and I can only imagine how frustrating that is for him but no one doubts his ability and we're sort of seeing the best of him now so like why wouldn't you want to keep hold of someone like that but anyway Vinny made his comments and then I get chatting to McElhenney after the game and he doesn't say, no, there's no chance. I mean, I did ask him any chance based on Vinny's comments. I did offer to actually exclude it from the interview. So if he didn't want me to, you know, reference it, he had an out. He sort of hemmed and had in relation to it and, you know, saying that, well, that's up to other people. And but is it up my, to the, like that's what I'm saying? Like, is it not? Well, I'll get own? to that. I'll get to that. But my response to him was, "Well, that's not a no," and he still didn't say, "No." Well, I'm definitely going to Derry. Um, now, subsequently to that, Derry weren't happy. Rory Higgins wasn't happy, and they set up this interview with him for the Derry Journal, where he basically confirms it all. But look, ultimately, and listen, I like Patrick McElhenney as a person. Um really good guy apart from being a good footballer but ultimately players go where the money is and where the offers are like he left Derry initially to come here and like I don't like talking about money I don't like talking about wages but as much as he came here to win things there's no doubt that the financial element was a was a factor um and even now despite everything and this is purely speculative, and I don't like as I repeat, don't like speaking about money. Is he going to have the same deal at Derry as he would have at Dundalk? Probably not. So you asked me there, is there a way around this? Well, Carl Shepard found a way and probably became Cork's highest paid player in the process. Um Derry wouldn't be happy, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, money talks at the end of the day. And would he have stayed or could he have been convinced to stay if offers had been made sooner? We, we possibly never know, but maybe the lesson has to be now learned from this in terms of like, get your other players tied down. I mean, there's all the talk of maybe Liam Scales going to Celtic from Shamrock Rovers. Who's to say they don't say, well, you know what, Dan Cleary could do a job there for us. You know, um, 
does another player move on and someone starts looking at the Dundalk? Because there is talented players there. There is talented players there. And like we do need a I repeating myself here, we do need a rebuild, but it get that rebuild gets harder with every sort of real talent that you lose. That like there are players in that Dundalk team that on their day are as good as anything in this league. And if you lose them, it just gets a bit harder to you know, whatever it is next year, be it stay up, be it to challenge for the title, be it to make Europe, be it to win a cup, whatever it is. Um, and that's where we need to sort of get to. Um, and that's why I asked him, is it now time for the board to back you? He, he praised the board for, for keeping McElhenney at the club during the summer and not accepting an offer to let him go now. Um, but maybe it's time. And look, again, you only hearing things there might be something happening there in terms of contract talks a long last. But as I say, it would give everyone a lift if that was, you know, no one's asking you to to sort of announce stuff before they're done or anything like that. But even given an indication that that was happening would give everyone a lift, would make the whole environment around the club a lot better. Um, because, you know, fans don't want to be saying goodbye to another sort of hero of theirs unnecessarily so before they're past their sell by day because like we all seen the scenes of Chris Shields I think Patrick McElhenney will be a loss there's no doubt about it do, do I see him saying it on dog no no I think he's he, he is done to Derry but do you want to lose a Michael Duffy next do you want to lose even a, a Will Patching or someone you know like you go through name anyone in the squad basically and, and that's a possibility we've seen someone like Sam Stanton really progress. We've seen Greg Slogger at times, you know, show the player he can be. So, you know, obviously there's different priorities in terms of players, but even you take our two strikers. For me, I think Patrick Huben or Dave McMillan adds another level to Shamrock Grovers, for example. I think we've honoured, like, they're different type of players, but I think we've two of the best strikers in the country. Um, and the hardest thing in football, you go at any level, find someone to get you goals. They'll get you goals. They will get you goals. You need to pro- probably provo- improve the service to them and all that, but they'll get you goals, and they've, they've proven that over a long period of time. So do you risk losing them, and then who who are you up front next year? You know, so this is this is the ongoing thing, and... It probably frustrates them that people are talking about contracts. I mean, I know we give the reference about Daryl Horgan, but I suppose the difference between Daryl Horgan and Patrick McElhenney is that with all due respect to Daryl Horgan, Daryl Horgan was going to England to a championship to, you know, to improve basically everything about his life in terms of like it's a higher standard, probably higher wages, uh, higher profile, you know, better international opportunities. With all due respect to Derry City and Patrick McElhenney, I mean, at best, it's a, probably a sideways move. I mean, you know, Derry, to be fair, on a good run of form, I might get Europe next year, and I know there is hometown club and stuff, but it's not, from a footballing sense, you couldn't say it's a massive uh, move upward on the footballing ladder. You know, and that's with all due respect to Terry City because they're a club. Uh, I probably shouldn't slag them off anymore because I'll be in the Brandywell on Sunday. But I'm not slagging them off, if that makes sense. I just mean that, you know... They're not as it, successful in, as Dundalk in the last few years. No, well, look, if you look at the last decade, if you look at the last decade, Dundalk have been, you know, Derry City have been in Dundalk slipstream, mm-hmm. as of most clubs, to be fair. But, like, I, I think it would have been... And maybe we maybe we're wrong to dwell so much on the past, but basically any player who left Oriel, bar to go abroad in recent years, has gone a step down. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and others, you know, maybe someone like Sean Maguire is the exception to that. Um, maybe Georgie Kelly is now too, but even even he had to take a sort of sideways step to get to both, you know, because he didn't exactly set the world like at Pats either. Um, but that's the challenge. Um, but I have an element of sympathy for Vinny with this because, as I said, all this aggro that Vinny is given in his interviews, let's say, in my opinion, is is a reference to the frustration that I feel he is under. That, like, so for argument's sake, 
he probably did see all the newspapers and internet articles about McElhenney leaving, staying, going, whatever. Or And the fact that he knows he's probably going and he is probably thinking, well, X is going to go, Y is going to go. I've already lost Shields, who he knew so well. He knew he was the captain of the club. And I think, you know, I have an element of sympathy for Vinny for this. Like, because again, I put this on the door of peak six. I, I don't, I, nobody cares or puts any pressure on Vinny in the sense. Everybody knows it's the guys behind the scenes. Everybody knows it's nothing to do with Vinny. Yeah. Nobody's pointing any finger at Vinny. But and also think- that that hullabaloo at the weekend regarding McElhenney doesn't happen if he doesn't say, I want to keep him. Because it throws a question mark at Derry City, throws a question mark at the board. And it ultimately led to, like, you know, if Vinny doesn't make that comment, I'm not asking Patrick McElhenney is he staying at the club in the interview. But when he literally 20 minutes earlier says, I haven't given up hope of keeping him, it's a valid question. So, you know, as much as, you know, he can slag off the likes of myself for asking that question, but it was something he created by his comment. So it's either a pointed comment at the board or it's a throwaway comment that, caused needless aggro but in that case it was one he created now he is more influenced on the board than anyone I'd say at this moment because he 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 has a direct line to Bill Hulsizer and that if he wants to get at anyone to sort these things out he needs to be given and maybe listen he probably has but he needs to have a list with be it Bill Hulsizer whoever it is and say these are the players I want to keep make it happen and then you can go on to the next thing and say Right, and these are the players I want to add because, look, he made the assertion at the weekend that, you know, we we came close to adding four or five players in, in the window. Um, maybe maybe they did, look, four deals, five deals falling through. I mean, the, the, the proof's in the pudding for fans. I mean, you can keep saying that the board are supportive all you like, but, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, ultimately, there's been no new players come in um, despite all these supposed targets. The man still doesn't have an assistant manager. We actually went, we said, we went out to the, 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 the Yelra Dome last week to see the first 15 minutes of training and like Vinny, and I'm not saying this would be like beneath him or anything, but he's literally like laying on the, the passes for lads to have shots of goal and stuff, which, you know, going back to like when you the likes of Graham Byrne at the club was what he used to do. Um, because he literally doesn't have really anyone else. Like, I mean, okay, I don't want to take away from the work that Graham Norton was doing because he was working with people at the other end of the field and Liam Burns was there too. But you've lost a lot of bodies around the place. I mean, even going back to when Jim Magilton was in temporary charge, he also had Steve McDonald with him and he also had Giuseppe Rossi with him. You know, so you're down bodies no matter what way you look at it. Um, and you know, it's a credit to Vinny and in many ways and, and, and the people that are there that they've, they've produced the results they mean they, they, that they have. But, I mean, if that's a supportive board, I think it's if they're unsupportive, you know. Like, I completely agree. Completely agree. I think it's it's very fair for media, press, uh, for podcasts, for fans. We're all fans, bar probably press. Um we're all fans and this is all this is what this is this podcast that is especially for me i know you're in fairness professionally involved let's say within dundalk through the argus but like you know i'm a fan ultimately and, and like everybody that i speak to sees these things like so the frustration via peak six it's completely just towards them and again like i'd love to see them just announce a, a, a kind of a few things but uh just actually none of them on that we are going to talk about there's a few new recruits but an article today i don't know if it's today uh i've seen anyway uh from paul lennon that jim Jilton might be leaving what what's going on there or is that just a possibility maybe it is maybe it's not or, or is there any kind of concrete stuff have you heard on that i know it, i can't believe i've left this to the very end actually to reference it but however yeah look would it surprise me Maybe not, um, but it is a bit of hearsay for now, you know, as far as I'm concerned. All right. So uh, before we do kind of conclude, there is 
finally a bit of transfer business i know that we gave a pro deal to a young lad from glenmuir he used to play with glenmuir that i'm not even going to attempt this man's name <laughs> mayoa on, on podcast yeah mayoa we'll go with mayoa i'm not going to embarrass myself um center back as far as i'm aware and he uh you know former glenmuir player which is brilliant um but you are also going to give us a bit of an exclusive we've another goalkeeper at the club now yeah, well, just on my own, I've only seen brief glimpses of him, but looks a looks a promising talent. Um, obviously one for the future, but um, I suppose it's another body in there because we did reference the the lack of centre half cover and stuff. Um, probably not one we'll see a whole great deal of this year, I wouldn't think. But I mean, it's great for him, great for great to see locals involved again, and hopefully he he steps up and. and there's a big leap, unfortunately. It doesn't matter what club you're at from 19 senior, but hopefully he does well. Um, I suppose, look, it's probably no secret at this stage. Uh, Sammy Benamar is is on trial there. Uh, he's, a, I suppose, a, a French-born Moroccan citizen centre-forward. I think he can play wide as well. I suppose he's looked well in in, in training. Um He's a 23-year-old. He would have played in League One for, for Neem. Um, so, I mean, he is a possible addition, I suppose, but he's been, I mean, I first heard of it a pre-Holland. So, I mean, he's been in there certainly over a week and there's been nothing as yet. Um, I suppose it, for the likes of someone like him, uh, it's probably not ideal that the timing that, Dundalk have been sort of away so much in terms of like he obviously didn't travel to Holland um, and equally Estonia before that so th- their actual training sessions at Oriel Park have been few and far between from the sort of get a, get a bit of a run um, they've also two goalkeepers in at the moment as well I suppose Patrick Beach who was there earlier in the year uh, he's a, an Aussie 18 year old um, is back in Um he'd probably be more one for the underage side at this stage, uh, although the possible work part permit complications because of his nationality. And they've also got Cameron Yates in another goalkeeper. Uh, he's a 22 year old Scotsman. He, I suppose would have spent most of his youth career at Leicester. He would have been in the same sort of teams as the likes of Ben Chilwell and Harvey Barnes and a few others coming through Um, has been probably more recently at Wickham Wanderers, but, only really played the EFL trophy for them. Um, so again, a bit inexperienced, but from what I gather has been doing okay in, in training. So um be interesting to see whether they to take up the option on him or not. That's listen again, you know, kind of the one thing we were kind of hammering on about there is kind of the the lack of players and stuff. So even the, some lads younger, it's it's still great to actually hear maybe of a few guys coming in. But um, but we wrap it up then for for this week. Then uh, we hope everybody enjoyed the uh, the press box this week. And again, we really appreciate everybody that does listen in. So uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can get us at PressBoxDundalk. Or if you do want to just drop us an email about anything in particular, you can discuss it with us at info at PressBox.ie. The podcast is available on all major podcast apps, and you'll find a link to them all on PressBox.ie. Thanks for listening. I've been Craig Colgan with James Rogers. Look out the stars turning. Look out the stars turning.